Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. My Uncle George is an 88-year-old male, and he's had AFib for quite a while. This has been well controlled with his medications, and he's been using warfarin uh, to help prevent uh, thromboembolic disease. Recently, his cardiologist told him he wanted to switch to a new drug, a direct-acting oral anticoagulant, and Uncle George is change-resistant. He calls and asks me what do I think he should do. Joining me on today's program to discuss this is Robert Baldor. Dr. Baldor is Senior Vice Chair in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thanks, Frank. Uh, glad to be here again. So, um, direct acting oral anticoagulants, they seem to be quite a bit of literature about them. They're on the news, they're on advertisements day and night. Um, can you tell me a little bit about them so I can help interpret these things from my Uncle George? Yeah, yeah, DOACs, as I like to call them. D-O-A-C's is the way they're, uh, they're abbreviated. Just really interesting. So you think about this, we're talking about um, medications to interfere with blood clotting, right? And uh, so you have atrial fibrillation, you're a high risk for blood clots with thromboembolic disease to the brain and creating a stroke. So that's the setting why we want to why we want to treat people. So for years, right, we've used warfarin. So what is warfarin? It's a vitamin K antagonist. So what the heck does that have to do with clotting? I want to spend a minute talking about this so you understand what these newer agents are about. So I'm going to take you back to medical school. Remember the clotting cascade? There was a whole bunch of factors that ended up coming down through the, uh, the cascade. And then you had something called prothrombin, which was converted by factor X, uh, factor 10 into thrombin. Thrombin then was, uh, would, would kick off and have fibrinogen get, be com- converted into fibrin, and fibrin is what makes the clot. So you wanna try and interfere somewhere along that line to prevent the clot from forming. Well, vitamin K is a cofactor for a number of these um, uh, proteins involved in the clotting cascade. And of course, one of the, uh, the, the factors is it's uh, factor two, which is prothrombin, or factor X, which is the converting from prothrombin to thrombin. So as people looked at this, they're saying, well, there are other agents we can use. And vitamin K hits a whole bunch of, uh, of factors. So they came out more with some direct inhibitors. So the one class is the direct factor 10 inhibitors. It's factor 10A, XA inhibitors that they have. And these are the um, uh, uh, classes where, and again, this is the agent that causes prothrombin to get converted into thrombin as part of that. And, and I have a lot of trouble saying these names, but it's abaxaban, rivaxaban, Indaxaban, Batraxaban, right now there's four agents. Now, while we have agents to reverse uh, warfarin bleeding um, using fresh formers and plasma, we don't have reversal agents for uh, these. Although there is one that's been out there, Adexa, but the FDA has not been approved its use. The other agent that's out there then is also a direct uh, thrombin inhibitor, and that's um, Dabaxitran. And so the direct thrombin inhibitor actually does have a reversal agent, and uh, uh, that's called 
hydroxaban. And again, these names are, are, are difficult to, to know, but that's the one agent that does have an FDA-approved reversal agent. Um, so those are the agents out there. That's what that's what they call direct acting, is because they directly really act on that uh, the thrombin right, uh, at that level, and not on a whole bunch of, uh, of different factors like warfarin does. So the concern then has been around the efficacy of these agents, and a number of studies have shown they're just as efficacious. They they work just as well. Uh, maybe even a little better in some studies than warfarin in preventing um, a, a stroke in somebody with, with atrial fibrillation. And the concern has been around the bleeding. So because, particularly when we don't have a reversal agent for these things, and most of these studies now have shown that the bleeding risk is actually okay, maybe even a little lower than, um, uh, than with, uh, with warfarin. The trouble is you look at most of these studies, they're, they're, they're saying, if you compare it to well-controlled warfarin, which means looking at the INRs and well-motivated patients, just as good. But if you go back and forth, some patients aren't so good around the warfarin either. So this recent study that just came out here, it was a, um, a meta-analysis and a cost-effective uh, analysis that was uh, that was done. It, uh, it was uh, just published here in the uh, British uh, Medical Journal and uh, saying basically which is more effective for stroke uh, uh, prevention. And, and basically they looked at the, this was, I'm not going to go into all the details, but they looked at efficacy, safety, and cost effectiveness of these uh, direct acting agents compared to warfarin from 23 randomized trials that had over 94,000 patients with atrial fibrillation. And I'll just kind of jump to the conclusions. What they concluded out of here was that these agents are really just as effective and safe, perhaps even safer uh, than, um, than warfarin. And then within the agents, they actually came up and they said, you know what, abaxaban, administered twice daily, five milligrams twice daily, might be the most effective and safest alternative to warfarin for the prevention of stroke among patients with atrial fibrillation. Wow, that's 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 wonderful. We have meta-analysis-based data that can help us figure some of this out. So to recap, we've been using warfarin forever to try to in decrease the risk of clot formation. We now have a variety of uh, director factor uh, 10A inhibitors, but they can't be reversed. Whereas we have another class of DOACs that can be in, uh, reversed if necessary, and in fact they turn out to be as efficacious, if not maybe slightly more efficacious than warfarin. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I, I, I would probably say they're non-inferior, non-inferior. Uh, but the other thing, of course, is there's no reversal agent for the cebaxacam. But here's the story. It turns out, unlike warfarin, these have very short half-lives. So somebody has to just stop the agent. Just stop the agent. And again, if you look at the safety profile on these things, it's, 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 not, uh, it's about the same as, as warfarin. So I certainly see that these are agents uh, uh, that have incredible use. Um, it's hard to say this is the one to use versus the others because there's a lot of factors that go into whether it's patient choice. Uh, there's also the cost factor plays in. These are a lot more expensive. Even if you add in some of the testing for warfarin, they're still more expensive. Uh, uh, some people can do at home testing for warfarin and so on. It, it, warfarin is still safe and efficacious if done in the right environment. I have patients that are coming in that love these agents because they don't have to think about their diet as much as they did with a the warfarin. They don't have to think about the testing, and they just take this uh, this pill. But will their insurance cover it? Uh, you know, what, what's 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 on their formulary? That really adds up what's coming. So it's an individual decision. The data is out there now saying these agent these agents are 
effective and safe as maybe even a little better than warfarin. I'm feeling much more comfortable about using them and I'm going to move more in that direction. So it certainly sounds like when we're making helping patients make this decision, uh, we can feel reassured that the newer agents are as efficacious as warfarin and it sounds like the big decision factors are not whether they're reversible or not but rather are they cost going to be cost effective for that individual patient or are they able to afford that greater cost um, and in return get a much less confusing life with regards to diet and testing. Sound about right? Sounds about right. I think we're going to see more and more of those decisions coming up as we look at uh, newer medications coming out. They're probably going to be better and just as uh, safe as things we're using, uh, but the cost factor is going to continue to be uh, something we have to factor into those decisions. Bob, thanks so much for bringing this concept forward. I think we're seeing more and more of these agents in our clinical care, and it's certainly reassuring to hear that they are safe and that they're equally efficacious. Absolutely. Practice pointer. Direct-acting oral anticoagulants are as effective as warfarin in the management of atrial fibrillation and are likely just as safe. Join us next week when we talk about exercise as an intervention that has significant benefit for patients for primary prevention of cardiovascular disease. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the Resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, Please browse the more than 300 free CME accredited activities now available on primed.com. Thank you again for listening.